Well, family, today Misty and I are heading to South Africa. South Africa. Yeah, so right after service, we've got to head out, going to the airport. It's catching a 4.50 p.m. flight. We're going to launch Club Pure in South Africa. It is here. Amen. And so um, it's really interesting. Like when I think about leaving this country to go to another country that's 7,000 miles away, 22 hours travel to go launch another school, my mind thinks that's absolutely normal. Seriously, I think like, yeah, it's like going down to Okeechobee and just launching a school in Okeechobee. That's what it feels like to me. Amen? And the reason it feels this way is because God has been preparing us to do this for like 17 years. Look at the person next to you and say, they didn't think about this last week. It wasn't like, oh, a last-minute decision, we've got nothing better to do, let's go to Africa, let's start a school. Oh, what a great idea. Yeah, sounds great. Let's do it. No, 17 years ago, the Lord spoke to me. It has taken 17 years to get us ready to finally go do it. Look at the person next to you and say, through faith and patience. Through faith and patience, we inherit the promises. And some of you guys come to church one time, and if you don't get everything in one service, then you're done with God. McDonald drive through Christian, that's what you are. Because if they don't get your order out in that 45 seconds that that clock is ticking down and it starts beeping, you are throwing your stuff out of the vehicle and having a panic attack. No, there's people like that. Brother Fred, they lose their minds. You didn't put my sauce in there. Lord, have mercy. God, drop bombs on buildings right there. The wrath of God. Listen, when a woman gets pregnant, she doesn't give birth the next day. When you put seed in the ground, you don't get a harvest that next weekend. Say there's seed, there's time, and then there's a harvest. And if you understand what you're doing, the Word of God is seed. And if you'll just sow the seed in the ground and hold on to it and not let it go, it will produce a harvest for you. Say through faith and patience, I inherit the promises. So here's the thing. A lot of people are lusting after things and think that's part of the promise. No, the things that are part of the promise are the things that are part of the covenant. And if you can find out what's available to you in the Word of God, you can believe God for it and He'll give it to you. There is nothing in the Word that God's going to hold back from you. That's why Jesus died. And if God gave His one and only Son the best thing He had, why would He withhold anything else from you? It just might be that your heart is in the wrong place. And if we'll adjust our hearts 
and get it fixed on what God has promised, you'll see breakthroughs come through like you've never seen before. Can I get an amen? And so I want to talk a little bit about faith today. Look at somebody and say, faith, you got to have it. Hebrews 11.6. It says, without faith. Say, without faith. It is impossible. Say, impossible. That's Spanish, I think. Don't tell me no, Manny, just because you speak Spanish. Listen, you mess up English words sometimes, too, and I don't say anything about it. I don't say that's not English. It's my interpretation. Without faith, it is impossible. How far off was I, Nick? Okay. Thank you. Fix the O. All right. Without faith, it is impossible to please Him. For he who comes to God must believe that He is. So right there, number one, you got to come to God. Look at somebody and say, the first thing you got to do, you got to go to God. And while you're going towards Him, you got to believe that He is, that He exists. And the Bible says that He will reward you if you diligently seek Him. Look at somebody and tell them, they are rewards for seeking after God diligently. Say they are rewards. God has got a reward system. And the way you activate it is you believe that He exists and you seek Him diligently. That means if you believe He's there, you don't stop pressing till you touch Him. Are you with me? Look at somebody and say, if you believe that God exists and you want to come to Him, then you keep pressing and keep pressing and keep pressing until you touch Him or He touches you. Because the minute that touch comes, the minute the encounter comes, everything shifts and everything changes. Say, i got to press through. And just because it doesn't happen instantly doesn't mean that he doesn't exist. He's just not on your time frame. He's in eternity. And he wants to check if you'll let go of the flesh waiting, all the things i got to do, and press through all of that stuff. And just decide in your heart, I am not leaving this place until I get my touch. I'm not leaving this place until I get an answer. I'm not leaving this place until I get my breakthrough. That's the heart, that's the attitude you need to have in approaching God. Does He exist? Well, then He says, come find me. Little game of hide and seek. They're those people that hide so well, you know, and then they stay there for three hours. They are not losing that game until you come find them. You've given up. You're eating popcorn, watching a movie. They're still hiding. So, without faith, it is impossible to please God. Family, and you have to believe that God exists. Amen. I think every single person in this room believes that God exists. You wouldn't be here today if you didn't believe. The thing that we, we sometimes slack in is the diligently seeking Him. And that's where we have to 
that's what we have to step into in this season. Amen. That we're going to press and we're going to press and we're not going to give up until we get the breakthrough. Amen. Hebrews 11 verse 1 says this. It says, now faith is the substance of things hoped for and the evidence of things not seen. Look at somebody and say, now faith. Faith is always in the present tense. Faith is always in the now. God always moves in the now. Everybody with me? If you're believing God's going to do it in the future, it'll always be in the future. Are you with me? And so we have to believe for the breakthrough in this moment, in the now. Are you in faith right now? Or have you said, you know what, God will do it in His time? Future. But you have to stay in faith. Even when it takes long to see the breakthrough, you're not giving up. You're pressing in. You're standing on the Word. You're standing on the promise. And the circumstances look at you and say, it's never going to change. The circumstances say, where is God? Oh, you're believing God? Where is He? Why hasn't He come through for you? Maybe God doesn't love you. Maybe He doesn't even know you're existing. While you're waiting patiently, these thoughts start coming to your mind, and you've got to have a shield of faith. Look at somebody say, I've got to put my shield of faith up to quench every fiery dart of the enemy. See, the enemy wants to send these darts at you in the patiently waiting time to tell you that God doesn't care, that God doesn't love you, that God, He's not even worried about you. Say lies. Say, through faith and patience, I inherit the promise. Faith is substance. Everybody say that. Say, faith is substance. It's actually a spiritual building block. Where do you get it from? Romans 10, 17 says, faith comes by hearing. And hearing by the word of God. How do you get faith? It comes through your ears. It comes through hearing the Word of God. How do you get fear? Exactly the same way. You see, faith and fear are polar opposites, but they work by the same principles. Faith comes by hearing, but fear comes by hearing. So the enemy sends a fiery dart at you, and you hear God's not coming through for you. This isn't working. This is a waste of time. You're hearing the thoughts of people and the words of people in your thoughts that have said, church is a waste of time. God will never come through for you. You don't need to be part of the church. Don't give your money to the church. No, 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 no. Nee, 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 nee. Shield of faith. And you've got to say it's written. Look at somebody and say, when those words come at you, you've got to fire back. You've got to pull out the Jedi lightsaber, the living sword. Say, I've got to pull, pull out the sword of the Spirit. What is the sword of the Spirit? It is the Word of God that is alive in your heart. Look at somebody and say, it's the Word of God. It's not dead Word. It's living Word. Where do you get living Word from? The Bible says in Luke 4.4 4, that man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word 
that proceeds from the mouth of God. 17 years ago, the Lord said to me, number one, I'm going to restore your family. Check. You're going to start a business. Check. You're going to expand that business. Check. Expanding, expanding, never ending, expanding. You're going to build a home debt free. Three quarter way. Check. January. Right. And you know what? And then he said, you will have an international ministry. That's today, people. That journey begins today. Check. See, that's living word. But you got to wait 17 years. You know, I was ready back in 2005 to start international ministry. Because that's when I felt like traveling. I don't feel like traveling right now. I don't really care to travel right now. I'm building a house. I want to live in it. Thanks, Jesus. I finally get the house you promised me, and now i got international ministry. I guess it's for my kids. Epic. Go live in a shack in Africa for a minute. Keep me humble. Listen, and here's the thing, right? If I said, God, I finally got my house, I'm not doing international ministry. Thanks for the house, but I'm done. And we get to a point with God where we get comfortable and we say, I've had enough. I'm full. But in the place that you are full, don't forget the God who delivered you out of sin and death. Don't forget the God who brought you out and brought you through into this wealthy, abundant place. When I came to, Af- when I came to America, I came to America with a word from God and $21 in my pocket and $1,500 in debt because I owed my mother money for the plane ticket. And in 24 years, if you take a look at what the Lord has done, it has been increase upon increase upon increase upon increase. It has never ended the increase that has been added. Look at somebody say added. Seek first the kingdom. Live righteously. Live in line with God's plans and purposes. And your life will continually prosper and it will continually be added unto you. The Bible says that if you bring the tithe into the storehouse, he opens the windows of heaven and pours out a perpetual blessing, a never-ending blessing. And if you look at the universe, it's constantly expanding. When God said, let there be light, it kept going. And when the blessing of God hits your life, it just keeps going. It overtakes you. And there's nothing like walking in the overtaking, overwhelming, overflow Blessing of God. Why? Because God wants to prosper you so that you can be a blessing and that you're able to sow into every good work. And you can get to a point where you say, I've had enough, Jesus. I'm done living by faith. I'm comfortable. I just want to chill out now. Listen, the minute that you chill out, you're going to die. It's true because your heart gets cold. And the minute that you start drifting away from God because you're comfortable in your stuff, you slowly start dying on the inside until the point where what is your purpose for life? Can I get a whoop, whoop? Go to Mark chapter 5, verse 25 through 34. This is a story 
about the woman with the issue of blood. And she was practicing Hebrews 11, verse 6, right here. And it says in verse 25, Now a certain woman, this was a real woman, this wasn't a made-up character, had a flow of blood for 12 years and had suffered. So it was a suffering condition. Imagine suffering for 12 years. She suffered many things from many physicians. That means the doctors couldn't help her. She had spent all she had and was no better. She spent everything she had. She had nothing left, and her condition didn't change. And when she heard about Jesus, she heard about him. Anybody in here heard about Jesus? Whatever he did in the Bible, he's still doing it today. When she heard about Jesus, she came behind him in the crowd and touched his garment. For she said, if only I, am, I may touch his clothes, I will be made well. So here's this lady. She hears about Jesus doing all these miracles. She's tried everything. She tried the doctor. She spent all her money. She tried every remedy. She suffered terribly under the hands of physicians. She did everything she knew to do, and her condition never changed. But she heard about Jesus. Say hope. And she made a decision. She's like, I'd rather die than live like this. You have to come to the point where you are done with looking at man and money to solve your problems. You have to come to the point where man and money are not your solution. They are not your answer. They're not your God. They're not the one you run to. He becomes top priority. He becomes your provider. He becomes your healer. He's the one that you put your trust in, no longer looking what the world can do to fix you. And every person has to come to this place. And sometimes it takes you losing everything before you get there. But when you get to that point of, I've had it. I can't live like this anymore. There's a desperation that comes on the inside of you. And a cry on the inside of you. And a hunger and a thirst on the inside of you. That nothing in the natural will satisfy only God and God himself. And that's, that's the kind of heart attitude that you need to fulfill a Hebrews 11:6. Without faith, it is impossible to please God. Anyone who comes to Him must believe that He exists and that He's a rewarder of those who diligently seek Him. You see, you cannot take thought for your own life. You can't take thought about what will people think if I cry out to God in this moment. You cannot think about your reputation. You can't think about anything else, only that you're touching God, and when I touch Him, everything will change. That has to become your focus. That has to become your attitude. Because if you'll just touch heaven, that thing that was holding you is going hasta la bye-bye. Can I get an amen? Whatever the devil has got you gripped in, whatever bondage it is, whatever sickness it is, whatever torment you're in, whatever he's doing to to hold you under that to, so that you can suffer. God wants to end your suffering. Can I get an amen? 
She said, if I can just touch his clothing, I will be made well. She began to use her mouth to speak in line with what she'd heard. Look at the person next to you and say, there is power in your words. Say, the spirit of faith does two things. Number one, it believes God. Number two, it speaks in line with the word of God. It says this in 2 Corinthians 4.13. Say 2 Corinthians 4.13. This is the amplified version. It says, yet we have the same spirit of faith as he who wrote, I have believed and therefore I have spoken. We too believe and therefore we speak. Look at somebody and say the spirit of faith does two things. Number one, it believes God. And number two, it speaks in line with the Word of God. Family, if we want to activate our faith, we have to believe the Word of God, and we have to start speaking the Word of God. What does fear do? Fear wants you to speak the things that it's telling you. So the fiery dart of the enemy comes with fear. Look at somebody and tell them, say, the words I speak are spirit and life. That's what Jesus said in John 6:63. That means every word you speak carries spirit and something else. What spirit does it carry? Does it carry the spirit of life or does it carry the spirit of death? Because death and life are in the power of your tongue. So the enemy uses believing and speaking to get you to speak in line with his plan for your life. But God wants you to believe and speak in line with His promises for your life. And you might think, well, my words, they're just words. No, the Bible says that you will be judged for every word you speak. God, you are made in the image and the likeness of God, and God spoke this world into existence. And as His kids, you frame the world you live in by the words you speak. And family, it's time for us to get our mouths in line with the Word of God. It doesn't matter what the circumstance is. If you will just speak the Word of God into that circumstance, it will change. Why? Because your situation is temporary, but the Word of God is eternal. The Word of God is spirit, and the natural realm has to adjust to what's established in the spirit. And if the Word of God is established in your heart and you speak to it, you speak it, it into its change. You've got to transform your situation with the words you speak. But if you'll just agree with it, you'll stay in it. So when you look at your bank account and there's not enough money, what do you say? Do you say, my God shall supply all of my needs? Lord, I thank you that because I'm a tither and a giver, the windows of heaven are open over my life. And I thank you, Lord, you said that if I live righteously, if I'll seek first the kingdom, that you'll add all things unto me. Is that what you speak when you're in lack? Or do you just say, we don't have enough? I'm broke. We can't afford that. Come on, family. Look at the person next to you and say, we're shifting you from being faithless to being full of faith. Say, you have the spirit of faith, and you believe the Word of God, and you speak the Word of God, and you transform things by the words of your mouth.
Look at somebody and tell him, 12 months from now, your life is going to look a lot different than it looks right now. What did you just do? You just used your belief to speak a blessing into somebody else's life. Who got excited about that? Yeah. You know why? Because faith is contagious. But so is fear. Because when Goliath came out and shouted at the Israelites, everybody was afraid. Because fear is contagious. But if you have David chopping off Goliath's head, all of a sudden there is victory that comes to the people that were once afraid. All it takes is one testimony to break a whole community through. Say, faith is contagious. And if you hear it, if you believe it, if you press into God for it, you'll see it. You say, well, I don't have faith to believe for that. That's too big to believe for. Look at somebody and say, you got to work that faith muscle out. How do you work? you got to feed it. How do you work your faith? How do you pump your faith up? you got to feed it. What do you feed it with? The Word of God. It is spiritual food. It is substance. When you eat the Word of God, you are eating nutrients into your faith muscles so that your faith can get stronger. But if all you eat is a noodle doodle once a week... Romans 12, 3 says, For I say, through the grace given unto me, to everyone who is among you, say, that's all of us, not to think of himself more highly than he ought to think. It says, but think soberly, as God has dealt to each one a measure of faith. Look at somebody and say, we are all at different levels in our faith walk. Right? Like if you tried to go to Africa right now to launch a school, you probably wouldn't make it because you're not prepared for it. Are you with me? So God prepares each person. He speaks individually to each person and prepares them for the plans and purposes He has for their lives. And as you grow in faith and as you do what is required to do, God brings you into the thing He promised you. Are you with me? Say, I have a measure of faith. I have to obey God, and I will have my faith muscle grow. It was a stretch for us, right, to open a third center. It's always another stretch, but now we're crossing continents. It's another stretch. Look at somebody and say, God wants to stretch you. God wants to expand you. When you're uncomfortable, that's a good thing. Because now you have to believe God again. It keeps you dependent upon Him. If you can do it in your own strength, then you don't need God. And God is always going to put you in something, in an assignment that is bigger than you, to make you uncomfortable so that you can grow. A lot of us run from stretching. We don't like being stretched. We like being comfortable. And God wants to keep you in an uncomfortable place so that you can continue to grow. Can I get an amen? Let me get back to the woman with the issue of blood. 
It says, for she said, if only I may touch his clothing, I shall be made well. So she had a point of contact. She was believing to release her faith at the moment she touched him. She believed that she would receive. Look at somebody say, there has to be a point of contact where you believe that you receive. It says, and I shall be made well. When she touched it immediately, say immediately, the fountain of her blood was dried up. So the miracle happened and then she felt it. Most of us are looking to feel it before we believe that it's happened. Look at somebody and say, God does the miracle and then you'll feel it. See, she got her miracle before she touched him. She wasn't touching him to get the miracle. She already knew she had the miracle. That was just the release of her faith. Because she believed. She knew in her heart that if I just touch him, I'm, I'm whole. So the touch was just the action behind what she believed to get her miracle. See, she wasn't running to a man for a man to touch her to get her miracle. She already had a miracle. She just went to go get it. See, many of us come to God begging. God doesn't want you to come to Him begging. He wants you to come in faith. That He exists and that He's a rewarder of those who diligently seek Him. The minute you touch Him, you get your miracle. Everybody with me? Immediately, the fountain of her blood dried up and she felt in her body that she was healed of her affliction. And Jesus, immediately knowing in Himself that power had gone out of him, turned around in the crowd and said, who touched my clothes? So here Jesus is in a crowd. You know, famous people. Everybody want to touch, high five the famous person. I'll take your autograph. Give me a hug. Can I get a picture with you? So Jesus realized that this woman who touched him, touched him with faith. Right? It wasn't just the crowd touching him because he was famous. It was a faith touch. Say, so God is looking for people to touch him with intention, with faith in their hearts. If you can get a promise from the Word of God, that is the Word of God. And hearing that Word over and over will build your faith to believe God for it. And if you will believe God for it and you will press in and not give up, you will touch him and it will break through in your life. Can I get an amen? amen? Say, there is absolutely nothing that is impossible for God. Nothing. The only limitation is, can you believe Him for it? And His disciples said to Him, you see the multitudes thronging against you, and you say, who touched me? And He looked around to see who had done the thing. But the woman, fearing and trembling, why was she afraid and trembling? Jairus, the synagogue leader, was right there in the crowd. If she was caught outside of her house with an issue of blood, she would have been stoned to death in the streets. So she didn't want to say anything because the synagogue dude was right there, the religious guy that would have used the Lord to kill her. But she fell before him. She told him the whole story. Woman fearing and trembling, knowing what had happened to her, came and fell down before him and told him the whole truth. And this is what he said to her. Daughter, 
the power of God has healed you. Is that what it says? It says, daughter, I healed you. What does it say? Your faith. Your belief in me. You pressing to find me and touch me. You not being relentless. You not giving up. You seeking after me with all your heart, all your soul, all your mind, all your strength. Wholeheartedly coming after me. Your faith in me is what healed you. Look at the person next to you and say, it's not the preacher's faith. It's not the power of God. It's your faith. The Bible says that you have been given a measure of faith, so you do have faith. Look at somebody and say, the Bible says, you have a measure of faith. It says that in Romans 12, 3, God has dealt to each one a measure of faith. Say, I have faith. You just got to build your faith muscle. Your faith can get you whatever the Bible says belongs to you. But you got to go for it. You got to go after it. You got to make a decision that it belongs to me. Jesus died for it, and I'm not living my life without it. Can I get an amen? Can I get a whoop whoop? All right, two more scriptures here or so. 1 John 5 4 says this For everyone born of God is victorious. Look at somebody and say, if you're saved, if you're born again by the Spirit, then you are victorious. It says, everyone born of God is victorious. Say, is. If you're born of God, you're already in victory. Not you're trying to get in victory, you're already victorious. That's what the Bible says. For everyone born of God is victorious and overcomes the world. It doesn't matter what the world throws at you, you've got victory. Doesn't matter what circumstance, no matter what situation, no matter the devil in the world, it doesn't matter. You are already victorious if you are born again. Can I get an amen? And this is the victory that conquered and overcame the world. Our continuing persistent faith in Jesus Christ, the Son of God. Say, this is the victory that overcomes the world. My faith, my belief in Jesus Christ as the Son of God. See, you'll always be victorious if you believe that He is the Son of God. If He's the Son of God at the right hand of the Father with all authority and power, death, the keys to death and grave in His hand, you are His body, the church, and all things are under your feet, then you are victorious. You've overcome the world, and there's nothing in this world that can touch you or harm you. Not even death. You know why? Because if you step out of your body, you'll be in the presence of God. Can I get an amen? Look at somebody and say, you are victorious. You're not trying to win. You already won. See, the circumstance that you're facing is you just showing the circumstance that you've won. It's an opportunity for you to grow your faith. Oh, man, I hope you hear what I'm telling you. The problem you're facing and the challenge you're facing is not there to destroy you. It's there to build your faith so that God can show that you are victorious. The problem and the circumstance that you are facing is not to defeat you or destroy you. 
It is there to build your faith. Count it all joy when you face trials of all kinds. Because it's going to perfect your faith and prove that you are victorious and that nothing is impossible for God or God's children. Can I get an amen? How about a whoop whoop? So the Bible says that we are victorious and we've overcome the world. 1 John 2.16 says, For all that is in the world is the lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes, and the pride of life. And it is not of the Father, but of the world. So everything that your old sinful nature was craving and running after, God wants to break the power of that off your life. So that you'll no longer crave the things in this world, that you will crave His love and the things of the kingdom. Can I get an amen? Look at the person next to you and tell him you are victorious in Christ Jesus. You already have the victory. You are an overcomer. Say, I am victorious. I have the victory. I am an overcomer. I have a measure of faith. God has given me faith. That means God is pleased with me. <laughs> That's what it says. It says... Without faith, it is impossible to please God, but you have a measure of faith, so God is pleased with you. This is my beloved son and daughter in whom I'm well pleased. He gave you the faith so that he could be pleased with you. Say, it's by grace. I didn't work for it. He gave it to me because he loves me. Think about this. Do you want to remember bad things that your kids have done? So why would your loving Heavenly Father want to remember the bad things you did? That's why he says he forgets them and drops them in the sea, never to remember them no more. The thing is you have to forget the things that you've done wrong. And the devil wants to keep reminding you and he throws those things at you. But once it's under the blood, you've got to let it go. And a couple of weeks ago, I started getting this revelation. You know, the word, you, you know people say, take a walk down memory lane. When you have an experience, you actually create a path to that experience in your memory. So you can close your eyes and you can walk that road back to that experience. Well, you have to close off the experiences that happened when you were in the world. So that your mind can no longer walk those roads back into the place of death. That place where you are unrighteous. Everybody with me? I know this is kind of deep, but it's real. Because you can close your eyes and walk back into what happened to you, what somebody said to you, what somebody did to you, the tragedy. And you can replay that whole situation again. Why? Because there is a path and a road to that memory that's been created in your mind. But God wants to shut off those memories. He wants to block the road that you can no longer walk down those roads. And you need to guard your heart with all diligence and not go back into that. You've got to consciously make a decision that I'm not visiting the place of the dead. The Bible says that we need to repent of dead works, not keep visiting the works we did. 
And God wants us to create new paths through encounters and experiences with Him. So we have new memories of who we are in Christ Jesus now. And those memories need to be greater than the memories of old. And that's how you are transformed and you renew your mind. That's how you can give your body to God. Why? Because everything from Adam till Christ is cut off. Your Adamic nature is gone. And now you live in Christ in the promised land. And all you know is what God has ahead for you. I saw the scene of shadows